A rather ill Chris Scouser here with... A feeling fine Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we get ready for another M. Night Apocalypse with Knock at the Cabin. Do we get the effectively understated peril of signs, or the boy, those are some acting choices of The Happening. The world's greatest movie podcast will let you know. Then we head back to Metatown with Kevin Williamson's Pandemic Slasher Sick. We give you the breakdown of upcoming physical media releases, our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, and because it's early February, wrap up 2022 with our top five films of the year. Since we're not going to be one of those uninvolved observers, let's hear a little bit of Knock at the Cabin. You have to understand that we cannot and will not choose who is to be sacrificed for you. And just as importantly, we cannot act for you. You cannot kill yourselves. We're not choosing anyone. We're not sacrificing anyone. Not now, not ever. Even if it means the death of everyone else in the world. Yes. Even if I believe the world was at stake, which I don't, that's what it means. I would watch the world die a hundred times over before having... Christ. Waste of time. They're never going to choose to do this. And I don't blame them. Matt, that sounds pretty heavy. And just so everybody knows, um, the doctor says I'm actually going to be fine. He said I have some mild cordyceps infection, Mm. fungal infection virus uh, virus thing. Okay, very cool. He said just to hang out at the house, don't leave, (laughs) and that they'll be sending somebody over to take a look. All right, they're going to take it, yeah. Yeah, they may have to, it looks like, you know, Tampa may be being wiped off the map any day now, so. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be so bad? (laughs) Matt. What is Knock at the Cabin, the latest M. Night Shyamalan thriller all about? All right. Um, So a um, couple with their adopted daughter, they decide to go on vacation. They rent a cabin deep in the woods, and they're having a grand old family vacation when four strangers show up, tie them up, and then tell them that they have to choose to kill one of the other three of them. And every time they say no a new plague will be released upon the world. So I would say, Matt, is it fair to say there was a Shyamalanaissance uh, a few years back? Well, I'm actually kind of impressed I didn't stumble over that considering how hopped up on medication I am. But I would say, I think it started for me after a, a run of poor films, I would say uh, The Visit, mm-hmm. which I think is very effective and very well done. Mm-hmm. And then Split, which we had that big surprise at the end. Yep. Glass, a little underwhelming, though I think I know what he was getting at. Mm-hmm. Old. I'll be honest, I didn't care so much for old. But after, I think, the diminishing returns with the village, which I think still would have been a great you know, Twilight Zone episode, mm-hmm. but Lady in the Water, and then, of course, The Happening, which is, I think, just satire or just some big elaborate joke that I don't <laughs> get or just some... Like some, some it's a big practical joke on Mark Wahlberg, a la Windy City Heat, to kind of expose him as an actor. I, sure. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> then The Last Airbender and After Earth, right? So, listen, the man keeps getting work because he's fairly reliable, but he makes a profit. You give him $10 million, he's going to give you 60 to 80 mm-hmm. right? And if you can keep doing that, you're going to get some work in the big Hollywood, as they say. So, Matt, how does Knock at the Cabin fall in that over? Do we have, like, another, is this a good, like, oh, well, yeah, it's just a good one. Mm-hmm. Or is this one of those, all right, well, no, nah, maybe, maybe maybe not so much. But it, I, I, I'm confident to say it's not a happening. Yeah, it's not a happening, that's for sure. Um, 
I would say it's on the bottom end of the, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I thought it was okay. And what's interesting is he did not write this. This is based off of a book called The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay, an author which apparently is a, has a, some really good books. Apparently this is not one of his better ones. Um, but... I thought it was I thought it was fine. I thought it had some interesting moments, but it it, it left me kind of underwhelmed. It seems kind of it just kind of wraps up all of a sudden. It's just over and that's it. Yeah. I mean, I think I would say I don't know if I don't yeah, I mean, I feel that I I do have an issue with the the ending of the film. I don't think he quite lands the plane. I mm. I, I yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. I think that he has a lot to say in this film. I just don't know if it all comes across. All right. Uh, initially, I thought, was this going to be some kind of cosmic home invasion thriller mm-hmm. type thing? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, with a, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. My my phone just went off. How do you like that? But it, it is a few things he's doing here, right? So we're talking about, I think, at, at its core. The power of of belief and faith. Uh, and then also we have some other stuff here where it's just like reliance on marginalized and persecuted peoples to help save the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could make some parallels to like this country itself with its democracy having to rely on minorities, particularly black people, specifically black women, you know, in regards to uh, elections uh, as of late. But what sacrifices do they have to make? To be accepted as a part of society. We're talking a little bit about religious zealotry. We talk a little bit about militant atheism. The abuse of people generally and its impact upon them. Uh, What about climate change? What are you willing to do, Matt, to keep your own child safe? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many different topics that I think he brings to our attention but I don't know if he answers any of the questions satisfactory. I appreciated that he portrayed this gay couple having an adopted kid, treated as entirely normal. Mm-hmm. And it's really not an outstanding, I think, plot point. Whereas in it doesn't play into the decision the family has to make, I guess. Right? Mm-hmm. The decision that the two of them are together and adopt a kid has some impact when we're going to the flashbacks to flesh out our characters. But I think the big problem I have with the film is that there's this strange distance that I have with these characters. I always feel like a passive observer. And I'm never really hooked in, which I think is what Shyamalan wants us to do. I would imagine he'd want us to say, God, what would we do, Matt? Matt, mm. what would you do in that scenario? What, would I be willing to sacrifice myself or my wife or my dog? I, I, I Yeah, right? But I, you never get to that point, personally. It doesn't have that personal touch. I, I'm not. I, I I don't know. I think there's a lot of interesting things in here, and I want to say too that this film lives and dies on Dave Bautista, mm-hmm. and he is the most interesting thing in this movie. I think that out of he is, I, I'm, I'm going to drop the qualifier from Dave's resume now. Okay. I am no longer going to say Matt that he is a wrestler turned actor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Dave Bautista, the actor. Mm -hmm. I think I was really impressed with him in this. His size and his 
I can't think what's the word I'm trying to think of. Just his imposing nature, mm-hmm. just the general heft of his physicalness. But his character has, for me at least, a depth, a silence, and a sadness to it that I think really comes across. Yeah, I agree. I threw a lot at you, Matt. Why don't you, what do you, what do you Yeah, think? you sure did. So first off, um, I'm going to take off points one by one here. So one, I think I speak for the rest of the listeners to say that I'm highly disturbed that you threw your dog as as a particular tough decision to make for the rest of us if it came down to that. Um, that's that's scary. It's scary for us. Um, two. I'm one of the guys that would jump into the water to fight the alligator to save my dog. I think that, well, that's fine. That. I mean, that's I understand. I understand doing that for a pet, but, you know, uh, I love my pets. But at the same time, if they were like, you're going to have to kill your pet to, to save the world. I mean, all right. So, I mean, I guess that's what you'd have to do. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um. So I guess too. So I guess in more, in all seriousness, um, I think part of what you're talking about is I think this is the maybe the is this the first movie he's made where he didn't write it, um, because this is an adaption. So I'm I mean, wonder I'm yeah. wondering if because he's not he didn't come up with the story beats. I mean, he's making decisions on what to include and what to excise. He's kind of taking somebody else's story and, and throwing it up onto the screen. Um, if it's something that gets lost in the translation, because it's not anything that I don't think he's ever done before. Well, I'm looking at his filmography on the Wikipedia's, and it does have. He did write the screenplay, and from mm-hmm. what I understand, there are changes from mm-hmm. the book, especially particularly the ending. Um, so I I don't know. I thought Old was an adaptation, was it not? I have yeah, no idea. based on Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar. Levy, Levy? And, we, and we didn't really like that one either, so. That's true. What about The Visit? Nope, entirely him. So there you go. So he's got two films that we can that we know of that we're going to do a lot of half-assed internet research on um, to say that I think that may be part of it is that I'm not sure. He wrote The Happening, Matt, though. Let's not... I don't. Th- I think your foundation is built of sand here. <laughs> I don't think that. I mean, the the issues with The Happening are completely different issues than what he's got, got here. I think he made... He allowed Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel to make some choices <laughs> that I think really, really sink this thing. Although I... I have to say that I really kind of want to watch The Happening again. I don't know what that says about me, but I kind of want to watch it again to see uh, to see uh, enjoy it as something that's been lost. Um, it's the wind. Yeah, it is in the wind. Yeah, I don't know. I think you know. I think Bautista's great. I think the you know some of the symbolism is on the nose. I mean, they're you know obviously meant to be the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and their colors mm-hmm. match up with all of what they're the the, re- the one they represent. You know. Um, Rupert Grint, you know, after coming off of his TV series Servant, is, you know, I'm wondering if he's going to become part of the stable of his actors that he's going to work through. Um, I thought he was very good, too. Yeah, yeah I thought he was quite good. Um, this yeah, is my first post-Potter experience with him, I believe. Yeah, he's good in Servant, too. Um, yeah, so I honestly, I had a good enough time. I enjoyed it enough. I don't think it's a classic I don't think it's like an underappreciated gem or anything like that. I think it's mm-hmm. it's a solid effort. It misses the mark on a lot of pieces, but you know, on an enjoy you know on a lazy Saturday afternoon and you want to watch a film. I mean, 
it's it's fine. This will be in heavy rotation in TNT within six months. Oh, you're probably right about that. Yeah, I, I'm. I hadn't even written down a grade yet because I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I think this is fairly C, like average material that mm-hmm. I think is elevated by Bautista to a C plus. Um, yeah. If I wasn't so heavily medicated, maybe I'd even give Dave a B minus on his performance and then a C plus for the film. And I think so. I think I'll just settle on the C plus. Where would you fall? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a C plus as well. Again, worlds apart, as That's always. It. Well, you know, it's definitive, though. There's no question it about is. it, so you can rely on that. Any other uh, thoughts there, Matt, for Knock at the Cabin before we move on so I can go Not take really. a nap? I guess, in my, <laughs> I guess in my own morbidness, I kind of wish I had seen more of the disasters as they happen, but I think what we got was okay. Fair enough. If you had a chance to see Knock at the Cabin currently playing in theaters, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Do you think the original title of the book would have given too much away? Though I think the trailer kind of did. The Cabin at the End of the World. Yeah, maybe. But you're right. The trailer gave pretty much all of it away. Yeah. That title, though. That's a, that's a damn catchy title, though. I think it's much, <laughs> it's much more clever than uh, Knock at the Cabin. Matt, let's go ahead and then spend a few minutes talk about what's coming up on physical media. So we're out a week because of some technical issues, some other issues, and blah, blah, blah. So this is going to be kind of a hybrid um uh, physical media picks thing what's funny though matt is that my top five didn't really need to change because there's really nothing interesting or i, th- I think particularly note where they would break a top five in this upcoming tuesday the 21st so all that stuff is 4k mm-hmm. and since i don't really apply the rules for 4k then uh, there's really no problems so uh let's jump into it though here's one um that i didn't see i don't know if you brought a uh, first run junior to it though but we'll find out next It's beautiful. Oh. oh, I wish everyone in Avalonia could see this. What? What is that? Whatever it is, it knows your name. Huh? Searcher! What? Meridian? What are you doing down here? I've been trying to flag you down for the last four hours. Our son is on your ship! What did she just say? Honey, what are you saying? What is she saying? She said your son is on our ship. Hey, Mom. Ethan? Oh, hey, Dad. Did <laughs> you brought the dog? What What are you doing here? Look, Dad, I just want to help. Ethan, we talked about this. I can't. I need you to take care of the farm while I'm gone. Now, please, go home with Mom. Wait, but Dad... <laughs> Boy, that sounds scary. And I think that's Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, but of course, uh, this upcoming, actually, this past Tuesday, Matt, uh, February 14th, Happy Valentine's Day, <laughs> Disney is releasing Strange World coming in at number five. <laughs> I think I'm going to trim the uh, Johnny Five part and just have it go with Ali Sheedy saying number five. Uh, that forward. works. That works. So Strange World is being released, Matt. Did you see this one? I did not, no. It's a Disney animated film, non Pixar. Includes a bunch of making of featurettes as well as four deleted scenes and outtakes, Matt. Uh, then, of course, after that, four. Dark Glasses, Dario Argento's latest film that had a streaming premiere on Shudder last year, is being released on physical media. Diana, a young woman who lost her sight, Matt, finds a guide and a Chinese boy named Chin. Together, they track down a dangerous killer through the darkness of Italy. So I'll check that out. I did not get to watch it. I think it's still streaming on Shutter. Okay. But um, I am an Argento fan, and hopefully it's better than that god-awful Dracula film he did. Sweet God. 
All right, where are we there? Three. Number three, Criterion is putting out, I believe in 4K, Romeo and Juliet. This is a Zeffirelli's film. It does have a brand new 4K restoration. It includes an excerpt from the 2018 documentary about Zeffirelli, focusing, I think, on Romeo and Juliet, and in interviews with Olivia Hussey and Leonard Whitting from 1916, excuse me, 1967 and 2016. Three. No, we did three, Chris. Calm down. The two youths. Uh, uh, to what? Uh, uh, what was that word? So Matt supposedly has a, some new audio clips for us for the countdown. I so did. did you have a two? Yeah. So I I gave you two ones, a two, a three, and a five. I couldn't find a four. Oh, that's good because I think the four we have is is rock solid. Yeah. I mean, riding Dangerfield, Dangerfield, and Caddyshack. I don't know if we'd ever really need to change that one. But we'll get that two swapped out at least. But uh, it's going to be The Fablements, Spielberg's film being released on Blu-ray and 4K. Three making of feature rights included in that one. And then, Matt, finally... There can be only one! You know, I'm sick, and I actually watched uh, my Highlander 4K today. Oh, nice. Wow. You actually watched a 4K that you bought? I did. Wow. I fired up that bad bear, and uh, <laughs> yeah. It looked pretty good. It looked yeah. pretty good. Uh, heavy grain some point, which is fine. And... Uh, it's still a fun movie. It's not as good as I remember it being when I was a kid. I'll be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> but, I told you. I tried to tell you. <laughs> but I still enjoyed rewatching it. And it still has one of my favorite line deliveries of all time when uh, McLeod is trying to escape the uh, parking garage and he gets uh, roughed up by the cop and the cop says, Don't move, pal. Don't even breathe. You know, it's, I don't know what it is. It's one of my all-time favorite line deliveries. Stuck with me my entire life. But a uh, movie is putting out uh park chan wook's decision to leave on physical media you can stream it on movie i believe right now as well it includes an introduction with uh park hai il and tong Wei, uh and then a couple featurettes on the making of the film i'll be honest with you i'm gonna hold out hope for maybe a criterion on this at some mm-hmm. point though maybe i should break down and give the money to movie they're uh i think a young and up-and-coming startup there so maybe they, they should serve some love uh matt your 4k releases then the original magnificent seven being released in 4K. Now, this is all next week, February 21st. Okay. Criterion is putting out a 4K of uh, Linklater's Dazed and Confused. Nice. Scream Factory is putting out Slumber Party Massacre Parts 1 and 2 on 4K and a double pack. And if you have not seen these films, Matt, they are actually very, very good for very, very different reasons. The first one is uh, just your typical slasher focused on women, but it's, I think, written and directed by a woman. So it kind of has a different perspective on it. And part two is just this weird gonzo whack job. That's the one with the guy with the guitar drill. Mm-hmm. Just really bizarre, but fun. One of my favorite movies as a kid, Dragon Heart, is being released in 4K. That's the mm-hmm. Dennis Quaid film where Sean Connery voices a dragon. Uh, the uh, Remains of the Day with Anthony Hopkins being released, as well as Emma Thompson. Two Marquis de Sade films, Justine and Philosophy in the Boudoir, are being released by Blue Underground in 4K. And then finally, Matt, the Chris Pine attempt to relaunch the Jack Ryan series, Shadow Recruit, being released in 4K. And I think that's it. I think they're all in 4K now, the uh, original films. Okay. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, I'm going to go with The Cult of Humpty Dumpty. A group of troubled teen girls and their teacher, Matt, must fight for survival after discovering a cult has brought Humpty Dumpty, a killer doll, back to life. And they've set him loose on the camp where they're all staying. So I imagine out of all the monsters and slashers and stuff you have to take out, I'd imagine Humpty Dumpty would probably be the easiest. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? 
So for those of you who don't know, and I don't know why anybody would, um, the kind of also ran premium streaming slash movie service uh, Epics has rebranded to MGM Plus. And I'm actually kind of digging it because if you throw it on, they play marathons of things. So they played all the Rockies, like all the way up through Rocky Balboa just on Saturday, just kept them running. Um, and then Saturday night they had uh, uh, Stephen King films. And I watched, after watching John Carpenter's Christine, which you can listen to an episode about that on Screen Run, um, there is, uh, I caught up with uh, Brian De Palma's Carrie. That is, that is a film that is really of its time, and it really makes some choices, but I think everybody has to see it to believe it. And it has still some really solid set pieces that somehow still hold up. Um, it's available on Paramount Plus and the aforementioned MGM Plus, or you can get it through your library through Canopy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I didn't was not aware of that. That's cool. I've been eyeing. I guess they put the uh, first four Rocky films in a 4K set, and it mm. includes the uh, Rocky vs. Drago version, Stallone's re-edit of uh, Rocky Four. Okay. I'm I'm keeping an eye on that one to see if it drops. But uh, that's pretty good, man. That's fun. All right, I wanted to ask you real quick. Did you see the Flash trailer? I did, yes. What did you think of it? Um, I'm Actually, it looks pretty good. I'm cautiously optimistic. I yeah. don't know how I feel about Supergirl with black hair. Like, it just seems wrong to me that she doesn't have blonde hair, but I guess I'll get over it pretty quickly. Um, also, I don't see any kind of reverse Flash. It looks like it's dark Flash, and I'm okay, I guess, but... Uh, other than that, yeah, I'm looking like it's pretty excited. Um, no Cavill, though? Is, is Cavill not in this at all? I don't know. I think there's some re... I think they pulled him after all the stuff went down. Okay. With a gun, and they tell them that when they're going to renew him or, uh, for the universe. So uh, I did enjoy seeing Keaton. That was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. And the teaser trailer that ran during the Super Bowl has a couple shots that are not in the full trailer, which I noticed I thought was interesting. Okay. Um, I watched the... Um, a couple of the uh, international trailers, they all seem to be the same to me okay. as well. Okay. Uh, I'm excited. I thought I saw a poster online that clearly had the reverse flash in the poster. Okay. Though maybe they're fan edits. I don't know. And mm-hmm. if they are fan art, they are fantastic. But I th- I think that the both the berries we see may be the flash and the dark flash. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they they go out, they end up fighting um, mm-hmm. the reverse flash at some point. Oh, I would okay. imagine they have not revealed the, the, the big bad yet. Yeah. I think they're making us think it's odd when it really, in the end, it won't be. Oh, well, I think now the issue is, is, is Barry the reverse flash in right. this universe in the end? I, I don't know if right. that's the turn they're going to take. I mean, are we doing a flashpoint though? Is the death of Barry Allen, is that a foregone conclusion at this point? I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting. From what I understand, they have like, eight or nine endings for this film they still haven't settled on one yet really interesting uh and yeah so i don't know and if gun has any and his partner there have any say in how they want to wrap this up but uh, it's good to see affleck from understand too he's in a gray and blue batman suit in this which i'm kind of excited to see (laughs) but uh i think they could really sew up the snyderverse in this perfectly yeah and even get miller off the stage if they do this properly yeah and I'm kind of curious to see how that's all going to shake out. I'm imagining he's just going to do some type of uh, apology tour, get on some medication, and do some therapy. 
Uh, and then yeah. maybe all will be right. Because it looks like I, DC must like this, or Warner Brothers must like this film, because they've, they've parked some other stuff without even giving it a second thought. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gunn has been on Twitter raving about how good this film is, and he can't wait for everybody to watch it. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Um, but I, can I give you two quick what are the odds, just to get Please. your opinion? Um, so A, what are the odds that uh, Christian Bale, Batman, Batman, shows up? And what are the odds we get Wally West? Huh. So I'd say odds that Bale shows up as Batman. I'd say like 30%. I wouldn't be confident in that. Mm-hmm. It's possible, but I, I would doubt it. Um, I think Gunn or somebody too had nixed that there is no Clooney Batman in this. Okay. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, But he, had tried, he didn't say anything about Bale. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. And then do we get a Wally West out of this? I know Iris shows up, but I think we're too far away from that. Mm. So I'll say I'll go 15% on a Wally West appearing. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's probably 25% we get bail. I feel like he's, he seems like the kind of actor that'd be like, once he's kind of moved on, he's moved on. I don't know if he would have a lot of fun coming back to do that. Um, Although I would love for him to have his ill-fitting cowl that pushed his face all forward and made him look all weird. So I think that'd be fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. If if they get rid of Barry Allen, I think they have to go Wally West. So maybe I'm more confident, maybe like 40%. No, because you could just do, uh, you can condense the universes, the multiverses, and you can just have a different Wally West. I mean, a, a different, different Barry Allen. Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't tie that to that at all. So I wonder if Bale does come back, which Batman, I hope it's his Batman Begins voice Mm. and not his Dark Knight, like what returns or whatever it is. What is it? Rises. Dark Knight Rises. When the lisp is really kicking in. Yeah. For some reason. I don't quite know why. (laughs) Good times. All right, Matt, let's keep rolling then. And uh, let's spend a few minutes talking about the latest Kevin Williamson joint. Sick. There's your mask it on we're about to in the car i'm sorry i didn't think i had to wear it outside droplets can float eight feet in the air fucking mask on mary i already ran through all my symptoms i have no cough i'm breathing fine no fever and i can still taste that garlic that's nice linguine this isn't a joke parker okay. better this isn't a vacation it's a quarantine a quarantine in style I need to know that you're serious. I'm going home after this. My dad won't make it if he's infected. I am. Okay, pinky promise. But just relax. We can still have a little bit of fun. Right? Right? (laughs) Maybe you're lucky. So, Matt, they did some research when the pandemic first hit. And they said, well, how did people, how did media, how did culture react to the pandemic, the last big one we had? And they noticed that basically after it happened... Nobody really talked about it. Everybody just kind of just wanted to move on. And I feel that's kind of the the vibe I think we're even getting into as a society now and today. Even for myself. Even though I'm still a little more sensitive about all of it. And judging from, as you can hear me, I, I may just start masking up everywhere I go again. Because I enjoyed the last few years during the pandemic not getting sick at all from anything. 
because I was masking and distancing all the time from people. But it made me wonder, since we had that kind of cultural reaction last time, now we have a slasher film set in the heart, actually even the beginning of the pandemic, in April of 2020, when everything was starting to shut down. These uh, two young women, their college gets shut down, so they go to their one of their dad's cabins in the middle of nowhere to kind of get away, to quarantine, as they say. And then they get stalked by some maniac, perhaps maniacs, who knows, right? But the whole conceit of the film revolving around the fact that they're within, they're in the middle at the beginning, I should say, of the pandemic. And Matt, how do you feel about that? Does, does that? does the whole film's conceit wear out its welcome for you? Or is Williamson able to balance it along with his traditional slasher tropes that he helped elevate, oh, those so many years ago? Um, hmm, that is a good question. I think weirdly you know as as i they i vividly remember the beginning of the pandemic and the kind of kind of anxiety around it and just like this is just the disbelief that you're kind of seeing all this stuff kind of transpire um but as you said now i was kind of rolling my eyes at all of it even the stuff like they're the little details like they're rubbing down all their food they get at the grocery store with uh you know uh alcohol wipes and stuff like that um I think the COVID as a backdrop as is okay. And I think it explains the kind of isolation. Um, but I think overall the slasher parts of it, when they just kind of, if you just kind of go along with the slasher stuff, I think that's all pretty effective. Yeah. I think it, at some point the pandemic part of it becomes an afterthought until it comes screaming back around toward the Yes, very much so. <laughs> How did you feel about that without giving anything away? How did you feel about the pandemic really being the hook, the driver for the uh, whole mm-hmm. conceit of the film? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Um, I don't know how well that's going to age. Yeah. I mean, it already seems a little hoary as it is. Um, but, uh, I mean, I can see that at the beginning of the pandemic, people freaking out about that kind of thing. I felt like I could feel Kevin Williamson getting all giddy when he was typing the script up, when he had first he had the idea. <laughs> And sure. I could see him just running around his house doing, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. He's all excited about mm-hmm. it, right? Because you can feel, I think, the joy he has, even though it may be some have, have some eye-roll-inducing moments. I think Matt's entirely right about that. In a weird way, it's a modern film that's already an artifact of its time. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I think, a well-done, Matt, throwback slasher that's melded with this kind of timely, air quotes, event. And I don't know how I feel about it. I feel that the the film, when it works well, it's when it sticks to its classic themes. I think it nails the genre genre tropes of, of the slasher. I think it it plays with our expectations a little bit. Listen, this is the guy who wrote Scream. All right, for the point of reference, in case for the uninitiated. So you're going to expect some clever little nods and turns here, and I think he delivers those reasonably well i think maybe he gets a little tripped up in his own self-satisfaction with the way he wraps up and we finally get the real reason as to why all this is happening and the COVID stuff which i think is central to the plot it's not simply uh window dressing right i think he's helping to set the mood the time and i think maybe sadly the attitude of the film because it's at once supportive i think of pandemic measures but also allows us to kind of laugh at how paranoid we all were in those early days 
we were still trying to figure out what the hell was happening and what we were going to do. I think that's that's mostly okay. And I think one thing, Matt, that I think you're going to love, I think, I think that you did love, 83 minutes, baby. Oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> Tight. Tight. This thing was a breeze. And I want to say, too, it has some of my favorite names of any actors in a while. Gideon Adlin is our star. Mm-hmm. Beth Millian. Okay, she's great. Dylan Sprayberry. <laughs> I, I just love some of these names, so I was very happy about that. So, Matt, I don't know. I was concerned it was going to wear out its welcome, but I think it, it sticks close enough to the genre. That is an interesting and fun enough uh, ride and well worth watching. I think at 83 minutes, it is, as I said, a breeze. And the slasher stuff works very well. The hiding from the room, the escapes, the the dodges, all that stuff. I think it, it the man knows how to plot this stuff out, and mm-hmm. it and it goes well. So I decided to give Sick a B. I enjoyed the actors in it. I enjoyed their performances. I don't think the pandemic setting undercuts it too much, nor the fact that in the end it ends up being, ends up being the entire wrapping of the project. I think for overall it still worked, and I had a lot of fun watching it. So that's why I think I'm going to give Sick a B. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to give it a B minus. And my reasoning is I did enjoy the film. I think the slasher stuff works really well. I did think that the pandemic stuff is not going to age well. And it's already starting to age poorly. But I think really my biggest complaint with it is that um, they needed more bodies there's not a high body count in this film and i feel like they really needed to add some you know targets or what's the word i'm looking for like superfluous characters that are just there to be killed kind of thing there's it's such a small cast it kind of took away all the tension so i i don't know i feel like while what is there is fantastic i feel like they should have really found a way to have more people involved so that we could Get a higher body count. And it was fun. This is going to sound weird too. So just take this in the spirit, which it's intended. <laughs> is that I, w- I enjoyed the fact that I've, I think what it is, I've been watching a lot of 90s period slashers the last couple months, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the um, the Black Christmas remake, uh, House of Wax, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? And I like that we seem to be leaning in more to the gymnast star body style the florence Pugh mm-hmm. style now instead of the uh <laughs> you know the the anorexic rail thin you know of the mm-hmm. 90s yeah. um final girls uh i don't know why that just it just it jumped out at me and i'm like oh look she's not uh you know it's not a way five nine and coming in at 86 pounds <laughs> so good for her <laughs> you know it's nice to see some uh yeah some representation like that nowadays <laughs> every now and then mm-hmm. so good Anyway, yeah, so what are we talking about? Sick, it is currently streaming on Peacock. If you are a member, you can watch. And I, I, again, what I like about Peacock, Matt, is that they uh, they they front load the commercials. So you watch about mm. three minutes of commercials and you're clear for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So yeah. that's the way to do it. We had a chance to see Sick, which is currently streaming, again, as we said, on Peacock. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Get 83 minutes? Huh? There you go. <laughs> So speaking of Peacock, I got to watch that latest episode of Poker Face. I've been really enjoying mm-hmm. that episode, that show. Have you seen it yet? I have not. Oh yeah, it's it's good. The last one I watched with Judith Light and um, Essa Pertha Markerson was like probably the weakest of them so far. 
but it's been good. Okay. And I finally started watching uh, Sandman. I'm two episodes in on okay. that because I had to go, go and take a flight. And I'm enjoying that a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty faithful. It's pretty good. So there you go. Now that we're done talking about sick, I guess I just like to ramble. It's the medication, Matt. <laughs> is it what it is? Yeah. So, all right. Let's close everything up, Matt. So, like I said, so I can go take a nap. And let's reveal our uh, five favorite films of 2022. Here's one that didn't make the cut for me, but I think Matt has already mentioned it. Robert, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm just going to put you on speaker. Getting in a rental. Hold on. You hear me? I hear you. Uh, I was just saying, if I could just have like a conversation with her, I could I'd probably nip this whole thing in the bud. Absolutely not. Under no circumstances are you to contact her. <laughs> if I just call her and, and just... Listen like... to me. There's zero chance at this point that you calling her is going to bring about anything but more problems for you. Mm-hmm, do you hear me? Mm-hmm. Any communication goes through us from now on. Wait, I'm sorry. What do you mean you're getting into the rental? What rental? Uh, I'm in I'm in Detroit. I rented a car. You're in Detroit, Michigan? Yeah. What? AJ, you aren't supposed to leave the state. <laughs> Why not? I'm not under arrest. I'm allowed to travel. This is not advisable. You really need to be here in case there are developments. Developments? Developments? That, of course, is Justin Long, who really just brings Barbarian alive, uh, Matt. So <laughs> that was in your top, uh, te- your top, you were your ten through six, right? Was it like eight or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was. It was number nine. Number nine. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So there you go. Didn't quite make the cut for me, Matt, unfortunately. So. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you go first because we always say that gives me the ultimate number one, but you get to say number one first. So I kind of think mm-hmm. that's where, you know, that's more the hot spot. So you go ahead. Start us off. What was your uh, fifth favorite film of 2022? And I will say that that order really matters when we're there's a risk that we're both going to have the same number one. But since I think that's impossible here, mm-hmm. I think we're safe. So yeah. my number five then is a film that uh chris was underwhelmed by but i really liked it uh was the whale um darren aronofsky's uh a adaption of a stage play starring ben and fraser about a shut-in who is faced with the fact that he is days away from death because he refuses to go to the hospital so he makes one last ditch effort to try and get to know the daughter uh that he left behind and I think the performances are great. I think it's very touching and heartbreaking at moments and uplifting as well. And I think it is a uh, a solid, fantastic effort. I uh, All right, I'm floored. Because Matt is not a fan of stage adaptations in any capacity. I know. I'm not, no. It's, I mean, it's up there with musicals with this guy. So <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. All right. Yeah, no, not a great film. But a great performance for sure. Absolutely. Number my number five then Matt is the not quite documentary uh, by Brett Morgan Moonage Daydream. You had to know it was going to be in my top five. The uh, kind of a tour through the uh, mind and art of David Bowie, my all time favorite musician. Some people may say I'm obsessed, but uh, yeah, I think the way Morgan puts this thing together, interweaving his music with certain videos, um, hand you know uh, home videos or actually musical videos, concert footage, whatever the case may be. Through David's life, with his with his own quotes, with his own speeches, with everything, how he covers from the very beginning to his passing. Though he does leave a bunch of stuff out, but that's not the point he's trying to make. And it is a visual, just 
I don't know what the word. I don't want to use the word feast because I feel like it's just too rudimentary. But it's a visual experience coupled with the 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 man's music that I will um, always love. So uh, Moon Age Daydream, Matt's my number five. Well, I will echo your surprise because Chris is not a big fan of documentaries in general and doesn't like to do them for the show. But we have this one here because he's a big fan of the subject matter. Mm. I will also echo something. Not a great film, but it looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> my number four then is uh, uh, a film that I don't even think will get an honorable mention from Chris is uh, the latest from Robert Eggers, The Northman. Um, it's a, a story about um, one of the Skarsgård's kids. Uh, I think it's uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, he the hot is... one. That's usually how I describe it. <laughs> sure. There you go. The hot one, the hot Skarsgård. He uh, is basically an orphaned um, uh, Northman who grows up on a a mission of revenge to take out his uncle who killed his father and kidnapped his mother. Um, it's got a very cool um, Viking mystical vibe. Um, it's got its flaws, but I think overall the kind of the the mood and the visuals and the mythology i think that all is enough to sell it for you yeah it is in my honorable mentions but right at the end i think mm-hmm. visually it's very striking i think that some of the performances are very good i think the final climactic scene in the volcano is a it's, it's really it's really cool to see it's a great mm-hmm. image but overall i was shocked by how kind of cold that film left me i really thought i was going to be all in on that thing and it was like okay uh, my number four, then, uh, I should say, again, clarifying, my number four favorite film of 2022 mm-hmm. is going to be Robert Pattinson as The Batman. I okay. uh, I really enjoyed, um, I'm blanking on the director's name right now. The medication's really kicking in. Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves, thank you. His take on uh, the uh, Cape Crusader. They're um, trying to make this grand two and a half hour crime thriller that happens to star the Batman. And I think that Pattinson bring, brings a real um, depth and humanity to the role that I think we have to, we haven't really seen before. Uh, so I don't know. I, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that film. He tries to ground it in reality as much as possible. Outside of the fact that Pattinson comes in at probably about a buck 25 soaking wet. Uh, but still, for the most part, I think the way he shoots that thing with his use of, of light and dark and just patents his, his presence as the Batman, um, added with the visuals and I think the sound design of how they make him, I still like whenever his footsteps are always heavier than everybody else's, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it probably is my favorite introduction of the Batman in any film, uh, that he's been in so far. So... Reeves is the Batman is my four. Yeah, it's my number three. I uh, I really enjoyed that film. I think Reeves really captures that idea of the Batman as this uh, you know terror uh, entity of of the underworld. I think the opening where all the bad guys um, they once they see the bat signal start looking into the shadows and are like terrified to go into dark alleys or into dark doorways is is fantastic. The way to set it up. Um, as Chris said, and I think it's a really strong entry. Um, we'll see what, what comes next for the Reeves Batman universe. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, dare I say 
maybe the best representation of Batman, or maybe it's my favorite. No, definitely my favorite, maybe the best representation of Batman. I love too that they finally solved the thing that always bothered me so much when like in I think it pulls me out of it every time I watch Batman Returns when Keaton rips off the plastic or rubber cowl and now he doesn't mm-hmm. have any black around his eyes. You yeah. make it like Robert Smith cure black makeup, <laughs> right? So it's all like sad right. and goth, right? And then it works. Yeah. yeah. And it runs. Yeah. And it looks good. So so ridiculous. It took that long to figure that out. So uh my number three then is Man, Matt, if you told me earlier last year that this film was going to have this kind of run at the awards seasons, I would have been shocked because it's it's weird. It's a little different. It's a wonderful little sci-fi comedy about family, and it's everything, everywhere, all at once by the Daniels, mm. bringing uh, Michelle Yeoh into the spotlight an actor who has deserved it for a long time but finally able to show some real range to a wider audience and it is wonderful her and then stephanie Zhu and ki Wu kwan who's just fantastic all nominated for academy awards and it is a mind-bending trip that is a hell of a lot of fun to take and it tugs at the heart so uh everything everywhere all at once is my number three uh yeah, it's my number two. It's uh it is a it is as Chris said a lot of fun. It's the second most fun I had at the theater this year. Um, it is it is it's a blast, and it actually holds up and gets better on repeat viewings. I think it's a just a solid outing, and I think I'm be curious to see what the Daniels have in next for in store for us. Absolutely. So then my number two is clearly Matt's number one because it mentioned yet. So I'll just <laughs> name the title and we'll move on. And I'll share when you talk about it. So my number two is Top Gun Maverick. Matt, what's your number one? All right. My number one is Top Gun Maverick. And I don't think that necessarily from an artistic or like capital F film or capital C cinema standpoint, it's, you know, the best film that possibly could be out there. But it is by far and away the most fun that I had in the theater. Um, I went with some friends which i haven't done to go see a f- to go see a film in god knows how long cuz usually it's just me watching a, a movie basically by myself um the dolby really filled it out um and it was just it was so much fun and for all of my complaining about going to the theater it's i think maybe the only movie this year that made me happy that i went to go see it in the theater um the plain scenes are absolutely incredible uh the rest of it that surrounds it is good enough that it doesn't bring it all down uh but it is it is a hell of a lot of fun so that's what what my number one is because those top three those are ones that i've seen multiple times and i can't say that really about any of the other ones that we have on this list yeah i'm surprised how well maverick works i mean the first film is such a product of its time and if you watch it, I watched it for the first time in anticipation all the way through. Because I'd never seen it all the way through. Sure. I, I, of watching the sequel last year. And I'm like, oh, this isn't actually very good. <laughs> but it, it is <laughs> it is a quintessential 80s, though. But Maverick, it takes all that stuff and builds on it and improves upon it. Except, I think, again, for the fact that the entire conceit of the film is backwards. It, it, it's wrong with its central thesis. But um, still, in the end... 
Tom, um, Tom Cruise is at the height of his powers in this film. And it is the, yeah, it is one of the more fun experiences you'll have in the cinema. If it's still playing in a theater near you and you have not seen it, go see it. I'm telling you, you need that experience. It is loud, it is brash, it is colorful, and it is a blast. So that's why it's my number two. And since I don't like to feel good, Matt, a lot of times I'd rather just wallow in uh, sadness. My favorite film, the one I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but the one that impacted me, I think, the most is Martin McDonough's The Banshees of Inisherin. is my favorite mm-hmm. film of 2022. Reuniting Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson uh, from In Bruges, which another a brilliant little film. And I rewatched this because it's on HBO Max um, a little while ago. And a couple things I didn't like catch before. So like in the beginning, when Farrell is walking from his house to go to the bar to meet Brendan, like there's a rainbow behind him and he's all half all mm-hmm. this stuff. Right. And it's just yeah. how he's just a man basically who loves his life. He is pure joy. He couldn't be happier. It's his small lives in the small little village. He has his best friend. He has his dog. He's got his sister. He's got everything he needs. And then in, in a in a span of a couple of weeks, his entire life falls apart. And it is I don't know, man. It's one of the most riveting emotional experiences I've seen in the theater in the last few years. And it is so well written. And so superbly acted. It is. It's. It's. It's just a fantastic experience. So um, it's. It's a black comedy or tragic comedy, I guess is what they call it. And it is very funny, I think, at times. But there's a darkness that hangs over this film that just, I think, just digs deep inside of you. And I. And I know it's weird, Matt, but I. I love things like that. So that's why mm-hmm. I made uh, in a Sharon my number one. I guess I can't argue with you. I guess my it was on my list, but obviously much lower. I think it was number eight. Um, it's just it's it's a tough sit. I don't know if I'll ever come yeah. back to it. You know. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Any honorable mentions for you? The only thing that I would mention that we didn't mention was Nope. I had yep. a good enough time with it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I think maybe Peel's most pure horror film, and I think it's in a lot of ways it's the most effective. But otherwise, we've kind of mentioned everything that's kind of worth seeing. I mean, it was not a solid year, guys. No, I mean, the Fablemans, as I don't know, mention, it's good. It's okay. I think that yeah, scene at the gym, was it the prom? It's fantastic. Yeah. Just like in uh, West Side Story, when they're at the dance. Mm-hmm. Magic, mm-hmm. right? But the mm-hmm. rest of it, maybe not as strong. Uh, I watched Two Leslie because I wanted to see Andrea Riseborough and, and all the hubbub about her performance. She is fantastic in it. And the film itself is good but it's kind of standard kind of indie look at me oscar fair i think at times um we talked about pearl uh kimmy steven soderbergh's kimmy i liked a lot mm-hmm. uh what else we um fresh we talked about i think a little bit that a uh, horror yeah, film touched on it. yeah that's yeah. good crimes of the future matt no love for you huh from uh daddy cronenberg daddy cronenberg yeah. <laughs> yeah it's another one man i expected to like it a lot more but uh it's it was out there even for me even for Cronenberg. There's a year. It's a, it's, a, it's been a year of weird endings too. Like uh, Alex Garland's Men. You couple mm-hmm. that with um, Resurrection, another film yeah. I think we enjoy, but a really just a crazy ending of a film. Um, Prey, which I thought was pretty good. I enjoyed that. Uh, that's the the Predator yeah. reboot. Yep, I think is a fun idea. Uh, I think we talked about the Menu, which is currently streaming on mm-hmm. HBO Max as we well. Did. I like that a lot. I watched Elvis. 
Matt, I'm going to tell you. It's Boz Lerman, Boz Lerman in the story of Elvis. <laughs> and there are parts of it that are fascinating to watch, except the kind of trips on itself near the end a bit. Uh, once Elvis kind of, I think, resigns himself to his fate, which I think is what I wrote in my letterbox review. I'm trying to do more letterbox stuff, folks. Uh, I, I think, not great, I think. But overall, it's if you're interested in the story of Elvis, I'd say watch it. And it's a visual right. feast for sure. Bones and All was actually in your top 10, so good good on you. And uh, I think that's about it for me. You, Mad God was in yours. Watcher. What about Watcher, Matt? I thought that was a great little Michael Monroe where she goes to Europe with her husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah, that was a good that was a good film. I enjoyed that. I mean, it's nothing earth shattering, yeah. but it is a good solid like you know, what's the I don't I'm struggling to think of what the subgenre of thriller that is, but yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, all right, good enough. What were your five favorite films of 2022? <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at feedback at the dot com. Matt, I think the calendar might be all out of whack right now. Um. I think Marlowe is coming here next week. Okay. Um, actually, oddly, it starts on Tuesday. I don't know why. Okay. Um, okay. But I think we were looking at it. It's a Neil Jordan film. Liam Neeson mm-hmm. is Philip Marlowe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got a lot going for it. Right. It's, it's weird how it's getting no push. It's like Confess Fletch maybe all over again. I don't know. Right. What else? Do we have anything else on there? Well, it's uh, our first Marvel affair, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, comes out on Friday. So that's definitely we'll be doing that. Because what kind of podcast will we be if we're not doing the Marvel film? Oh, all right. So then maybe we don't do uh, Marlo. Marlo. Maybe we wait for... I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll figure it out. Either way, you know the episode's going to be fun to listen to, right? Mm. So there you go. As always. Fantastic. In the meantime, uh, you can check us out at thefirstrun.com. And then you find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And uh, I think that's it, Matt. I'm going to go now pass out. Everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate your time as always. We love you very much. And take care of yourselves. And we'll see you soon. Bye. You're aware of a deeper existence. Maybe a temporary reassurance that indeed there is no beginning, no end. And all at once, the outward appearance of meaning is transcended, and you find yourself struggling to comprehend a deep and formidable mystery. I'm dying. You are dying. Second by second, all is transient. Does it matter? Do I bother? Yes, I do. Life is fantastic. It never ends. It only changes, flesh to stone to flesh, and round and round. Best keep walking. <laughs>